Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Hello. Happy Halloween to you too. Yes, you know this is his favorite time of year. Oh, he loves to tell that story to every new recruit, and it still makes me shiver every single time. Yes, ghosts and witches and magic spells. He had me set out that creepy dish, too, right by the office door this time. No, it's always interesting to see who's willing to reach in there for some candy and who makes a point of going clear up against the other wall to avoid it. <laughs> yes, he told me that you had asked about me. That's so thoughtful of you. I've just been busy. You know, there's no end to what needs to be done around here. That's right. Yes, he wanted me to give you a call. He has you on his calendar today. Were you still planning on meeting with him? Good. Okay. Oh, absolutely. He was just hoping to meet with you at a different location. No, it's not much further from where you are right now. Sure. I'll send you the information, and you can meet him there. Be careful. Remember to keep warm. And watch out for those little trick-or-treaters. It is really raining outside in Ohio tonight. I mean, it is pouring rain. Can you hear it? It's so darn peaceful. I can't get over how beautiful it sounds. I'm actually sitting on my porch and it's... Halloween time, trick-or-treat night. If you remember, there was no trick-or-treating, at least where I live, last year due to pandemic restrictions. This year, even though I'm not so sure it was a good idea, they were going to have trick-or-treating, but as you can see, Mother Nature stepped in and changed the course of things. I could sit here in my easy chair 
and listen to this all night. This isn't some canned background noise. You might hear a truck going by, a train whistle, a car, a dog barking. This is the actual heavy downpour following a line of storms all across the great state of Ohio. Just the other day, we had a tornado warning, several touchdown in Cleveland and some in Canfield, real near where I live in Salem, Ohio. We've had a lot of strange occurrences this fall. Tornadoes, people passing away. It's been a tough fall. And I'll be the first one to admit that it affected me a little bit. Maybe it affected me a little too much. I always buy a big bowl of candy for the kids. Suckers. I put like those dum-dum suckers in there and I put in sweet tarts and then I put in the nice stuff. The Snicker mini bars. Reese cups. Paydays. Kit Kat. big huge bowl and whenever a little kid walks up I take a whole fistful of candy and throw it in their bag take more take more I tell them your bag looks empty the parents laugh and I'm not a jerk about it either I like to sit out at the end of my drive and hand out candy. That's why I'm sitting outside right now in case the wind and rain subsides. I'll be ready. Of course, I got my drink by my side. A nice, cool adult beverage. A little cold, icy beer on a cool October evening. Probably not the best thing to drink. Maybe some warm spiced apple juice would be better or some cocoa with a little bit of rum in it. But a nice cold beer will do. And it's doing just fine. And it reminds me of a story a long, long time ago. A Halloween story. 
a true story nonetheless. A scary story. When I was a child, your parents would warn you of traveling gypsies, vagabonds, hobos. They would come to your house all dressed in black and disheveled and very, very dirty-faced and unkempt, the men unshaved, the women their hair, very, very oily and unwashed. They almost looked like they were wearing a costume. They didn't look real to me. They didn't look like they were legitimate <laughs> hobos, for lack of a better term. They looked like they were acting. You would see them once in a while outside of Kmart's Hills Department Store. Back then we didn't have Walmarts and Targets. We had Ames, Hills, Big Wheel, <laughs> Pomida, and they're all gone now. And of course, Kmart, Sears, the mall. Everybody went to the mall. And they would sit outside these big box stores and play accordions or banjos or guitars and they had a little cup or a hat for donations and they usually had a funny cat's eye one eye that was white or light blue with white around it and I always was like well, you know they, they had this look to them And as I got older, I found out some of them were real. They really were people down on their luck. And I found out others were just professionals. They would sit outside the old still mills in Youngstown. Now this is back in the early 70s when I was a very little boy. And they would sit outside the gates when you know, the men would come out with their paychecks by the pay window. And they would get the men to throw their change into the cup. And not all of these people that did these things back then, you know, they weren't all like this. But I found out later that one of them it was popular, they would sit there and the men would throw money and change in his cup. That he actually supported his family on that money. You figure a thousand men went out that gate. And if they all threw, you know, a little bit of money in there, it added up to a, probably a substantial payday at the end of the week. 
you hear these stories, you don't know what part's true, what part's made up, what part's urban legend. Some of it's driven by prejudice, fear, old wives' tales. You know, your grandmother told your mother, don't answer the door when they come to your house because if they realize you're alone, nobody's around, they'll break in. They'll rob you. They aren't going to hurt you, but they will terrorize you. Tie you up, rob you, eat your food, torment and torture you, almost like a some kind of monster, like a gremlin running around, loose in society, some untold, unkempt, dirty, smelly, creepy monster that wanted to instill fear from their presence more than to kill you. Taking your life wasn't as valuable as destroying your psyche, planting an image that the unwashed, the unclean, the dangerous around you, evil, scary, potentially harmful, I always wondered about these professional vagabonds. What was their purpose? Because they made things worse for people down on their luck. Because people did keep them at arm's length and were afraid to interact, to help them. By instilling fear into the community, you could pound your chest in pride that you brought terror into the community. But at the same time, the community rejects you. When you take off your costume and wash your face and shave and go back to your normal life, thinking you're funny, ripping off a few of your neighbors for shekels, laughs. The professional vagabond at the end of the day does more damage than bring pride to their kind. Giving a bad name to the hobo, the gypsy, the homeless, people may or may not be down on their luck and could use a kind word or a kind gesture. And this brings me to my story. And it is a little frightening, but maybe a little interesting too. We were children and we 
would walk to each other's homes to play. And to keep it simple, we would walk through several yards to get to our friends' houses. Now, walking through these yards, the neighbors never complained, never said anything. It was kind of understood. There's the kids from our house in our area walking down to the other kids' houses down the street. And when they came to our house, after a while, you knew all the faces and the names of the children walking in and out of your yard. And it wasn't an issue back then. And when we could, or when it was safe, we would ride our bikes up and down the street to each other's homes. Now, in this case, there were no sidewalks connecting our house to our friends, so we had to be very careful. It was a very busy road. Cars traveling 45 to 55 miles an hour down that road, and there was a lot of wrecks on it. So I thought my parents were wise making us walk more than ride to our friends' homes. And it was definitely much safer. And back then people weren't as particular about kids, like I said, walking through their yards riding their bikes on the sidewalk for safety purposes. Kids in groups, you wanted them in groups, even back then. Because there's safety when two or three kids are together, they stand a better chance of avoiding problems with neighborhood bullies. And quite honestly, all the creepers that inhabit our society and sometimes we would walk around the block when we were together all our friends two or three of us at a time we would walk around the block and go to the grocery store the drug store and that's about all we had we had a small grocery store and a drug store and a, we would a couple gas stations and we would you know walk down and pick up a soda or a bag of chips or a candy bar whatever little money we had for things and the drugstore had a lot of that fancy cheap penny candy you know fake cigarettes bubblegum cigars Marathon caramel bars, taffy, pixie sticks. And if you didn't have any money, you could always buy a few jawbreakers or uh, atomic fireballs. You always had enough money to buy some two-cent atomic fireballs that were sitting right beside the register at the drugstore. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but I used to have a box of penny candy sitting there, and I swear it was a device to catch a kid putting one in his pocket so that the local pharmacist could just make a big deal how he caught a juvenile delinquent stealing a 
two cent fireball. <laughs> well, it was getting around Halloween time, and uh, yeah, we were starting to think about candy and trick or treats and costumes, and we made one of those trips down to the drugstore, and we walked by two homes, and we knew the people that lived there. One was the librarian and her mother, and she was single, and they lived on a house on the corner, beautiful little white home. And then there was another home, and we knew the lady because she went to church where I went. And she was the most politest little old lady you ever met. Whenever she made eye contact or we were walking by, she would always say, Hello, honey. She called every child honey. Hello, honey. How you doing, honey? How's your mom and dad, honey? And we just thought the world of her. And she was just a nice little old lady. Now, back then, we were respectful. We didn't call her auntie or grandma or anything like that. Any, But we were always polite to her. And she had this huge pear tree in her front yard. And she didn't care who came and took those pears. As long as you, you know, were polite and you came, you, anybody could stop and pick them up. And we used to go there, you know, once a year and pick up a box, a whole bushel of pears off this tree. And I mean, it was massive. And you know how you remember things differently as a child when you look back. But I swear, we, we took a bushel or two of pears. We would walk by and take them. And it just seemed like there was ten bushels laying on the ground. This tree was so prolific and produced so many that it just seemed like you uh, you could never get them all up off the ground or pick them all. And there was always enough for anybody that wanted them, and she didn't care who took them. And she lived real near the railroad track. So as you hear that train whistle going by in the rain, it sets the tone. We had just crossed the railroad tracks. We were walking toward her home. And it was close to Halloween. And I noticed from the opposite side of the street that her door on her home was open. She didn't have a foyer or a porch. She had like three steps and a little white door on her brick home. And she uh, was in an older home. It was a very simple square boxy house. And I noticed her door was open. So picture the scene. I'm across the street from her house. 
This is in 1978. And I see this big pear tree. And what drew my eye was a pear fell off that tree. And rolled across the ground. Wobbling and wobbling like a weevil. And it looked like a little toy weevil. They were these little round egg shaped people that wobbled on a egg shaped bottom and the joke was in the commercials weebles wobble but they don't fall down so when this pear fell in her yard and hit another pear and wobbled across the yard I said that pear looks like a weeble running across the yard and it drew my eye and attention to her home and I looked up and saw her front door was not closed. And I was with my brother and two neighbor boys. So there was four of us. And my brother was two years older than me. I was about 12 at the time, 10 or 12. And he was about four, uh, 14. And we had a 15-year-old boy with us. The, the other neighbor boy was a little older. So we weren't little guys. We were reasonably teenage years and not small guys. We were, you know, starting to develop. Not very tall, but not tiny little kids. And I said, I think that her house door is open. Something's wrong. And my brother said, yeah. And I said, well, maybe we should walk over and make sure she's okay. And we were like, no, we better not go bother her because, you know, respect and don't bother her, don't scare her. I'm like, no, 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 let's just walk over and look. So we all decided to go over and see what was going on. When we got into her yard, we heard sounds. Yelling, arguing, laughing. Maybe she had friends over, family. We, maybe she was watching TV. We didn't know. We got a little closer and we realized we heard the words, help, help. My brother and the older boy, the minute they heard that, ran. And I give them credit for this. I was actually a little scared. So was my younger friend that was my age. We kind of froze when we heard help, help. The two older boys, though, immediately realized something was wrong and ran. And the older boy walked up the steps, two or three steps, and pushed the door open. And there was the little lady that we knew. She had a woman sitting. She was like on all four, her hands and her knees. She had a woman in this ugly, all black outfit with like a veil and lace and strange almost like an old black wedding dress 
with like a white underneath hoop skirt to it. You know, so you had this black dress with like this nasty looking white puffy thing underneath it. Like a... And she was sitting on her back laughing, cackling. And they jumped. I'll never forget. The older boy pushed the door open with one arm was kind of like leaning back. We all kind of saw what we saw and he jumped off those steps in a complete panic. And we were like, what's going on? And this guy walked out of her kitchen into the hallway where the the door was. And he had a sandwich in his hand and a bottle of Coca-Cola, the tall 18-ounce bottles they used to make, non-returnable. And he told us to leave, get out of here, mind your own business. And he walked over and slammed the door. We immediately knew something was wrong. This was this was freaky weird. He was dressed like a hobo, black outfit, hat, nasty looking shoes ready to fall off his feet. My brother said, no, you guys are hurting her. And he walked up and pushed the door back open. And the man was on the other side, holding it shut. My brother could only get it open like a few inches. And he said, come on, help. So all of us suddenly got our courage and we ran up and started pushing on the door. And it was the scariest thing I'd ever done. We could have got killed. We didn't know what we were doing, but we knew something was wrong and that lady was in trouble. And whatever possessed me, I yelled, Someone call the cops. I just yelled it like out of the movies, out of TV show. Someone call the cops. The minute I did that, that door flew open. And those two people pushed right through us, pushed right past us. We fell about off the stairs as they were, they were bigger adults and they just kind of pushed past us and ran out the front and just ran off across the street into the woods and up the rail yard, up into the, you know, the train tracks that were nearby. And we helped the little lady up off the floor and we went into her kitchen and she had a phone on the wall and it was off the hook. Back then when you you didn't want any phone calls, you would take your phone and lift it off the receiver and lay it down. That was called taking it off the hook and then it couldn't be used. You couldn't receive or get a call or whatever. And it would just make a noise. They took her phone off the hook. She had tried to call the police and they were holding her down and they were stealing food and scaring her and teasing her and the woman was sitting on her back and these two vagabonds ran up across the street and down onto the railroad tracks and then started taking the tracks out of town well of course we called the police and the police showed up and uh this lady sat there crying and it was so sad. And 
everything was all right. And everybody was saying, oh, you're a hero. You boys did a good thing and all this stuff. And the lady wanted to give us each a dollar. It was funny. She wanted to give us a dollar each. And we wouldn't take the money. And my parents came. My dad was furious. He didn't handle situations like this well. And of course the police, you know, they, they looked, they searched, they tried to find these people. And they couldn't. They couldn't find them. And here's the funny part. They didn't steal her money. They didn't take her purse. They did rifle through her purse and then threw it down. She had the money in a pocket in her purse and they didn't see it. They came and stole food. They stole drinks. They stole silly items that they could just grab. Knickknacks. Little souvenirs that she had from the past. They threw everything in a bag and some food and ran up the street like two vagabonds, like two hobos. We went home and we had our chests out and we were all brave and, you know, we thought we were big heroes and we talked about it at school the next day and was a big subject at church that Sunday. Back then, everybody went to church on Sunday. So the lady stood up and told everybody how we rescued her. And the minister did a short talk on it, told everybody to warn them about these kind of people come around in the fall and in the summer. And then they're, they're usually traveling south. And so always be careful, you know. Keep your doors locked, things like that. Well, that Halloween, we gave out candy. And it was a rainy night like tonight. And we were done trick-or-treating and we were really tired. And there was a knock at our door and these... Six kids dressed as hobos, <laughs> I'm not joking, were at our door getting candy. And my mom laughed and thought it was so funny. And then they left. And it just kind of spooked me. After trick-or-treating was basically over, we were home. Everything was done. These six or seven hobos showed up at our house. And they were obviously young kids. But their costumes looked so authentic. So real. You see, that's the problem with these people that I'm talking about. She wasn't wearing just tattered old clothes. They were wearing all black clothing. And her petticoat under her wedding dress looking clothing 
was white. Her shoes were black. Her stockings were black, like pitch black, thick wool stockings, flat bottom leather, men's like shoes with rounded toes. I can remember it like it was yesterday, lace around the bottom of her dress, lace over her face, cackling. Long sleeves all the way down to her wrists, buttoned around her wrists, lace after that over part of her hands, black fingerless gloves. This is way before the goth age. Her black teeth, her white eyes, her veil. This nasty, weird, ugly hat with feathers in it. The man was wearing an old bowler hat. A suit, not clothes, like normal, everyday clothes. He was wearing a black shirt, black waistcoat, black suit, pants too short for his legs socks crumpled up around his ankles and his shoes two sizes too big his face black with mud and dirt and unshaven black teeth black eyes right and these kids that came to our house they looked like authentic how do I describe that they didn't look like kids who put on old clothes they found at Goodwill or Salvation Army or in the attic of their parents house they were all in black busted down broken down bowlers Top hats, dirty faces. They frightened me. That's when I was frightened. I might have been scared when we first realized we were walking into a home invasion. But because we were in strength and because it was in the middle of the day and because we knew who she was and we knew the neighborhood well, I think I was just scared at the moment because you're a child and adults are yelling at you. It takes you a minute to realize what you're dealing with. But we responded really quickly. The trick-or-treaters at 8, 9 o'clock at night, pitch black, raining, standing there in the black. You can barely see the white of their eyes, the skin of their face. illuminated by one outside light by our porch. I don't know. Then I was scared. The next morning we woke up and we came out to go to the bus stop and 
all the pumpkins on our porch were smashed all over the road in front of our home. It was weird. That's when I started to get nervous and get afraid. I wasn't so afraid because we had a dog and my dad was a pretty ordinary cuss. My mom was a very careful lady and we had neighbors right next door on either side. But they were angry. I had that feeling they had come back. That they were angry. And it never left me. I always felt that they came back to get even for telling on them. Now as a child, things pass quickly. You forget everything. And a year went by. And it was Halloween time again. We didn't have much for money for costumes and we dressed up as scarecrows and stuffed hay in our clothing and wore big straw hats and put makeup on our faces and we were going to go as straw men and scarecrows for Halloween. Just as we were getting ready to go out and go trick-or-treating, there was a knock at the door and we went and answered. I had the bowl in my hand. And there it was. That same group of kids from the year before. All dressed exactly the same all in black, laughing, joking. They looked identical, perfect busted up bowlers, smashed top hats, all in black. Trick or treat, laughing. I gave them candy, and I don't know what possessed me, but I think it was them laughing at me. But I was never one to shy away from a fight. And I said, hey, are you the guys who busted our pumpkins up last year? And my mother came around the corner and said, Shh, don't say that. And they all laughed and didn't even respond. Took the candy and just left. This time I followed them out. And I don't know what possessed me, but I said, if you come back tonight, we're going to call the cops. They stopped. They looked at me and I was 
realizing then that I had made a terrible mistake with six or seven bigger kids than me. But instead of turning, And fighting with me. They headed off. Not to the road. Not to the next house. But up. Into the woods. Behind our homes. Up. To where the railroad tracks run between our home and my neighbors up into the tracks and I swear I saw those two people again up in the woods watching them walk that way I dropped that bowl of candy and ran in the home told my parents my dad came out but by then they were all gone I don't know why or what or how any of this works but they never came back They weren't kids from our neighborhood. I know that. And they were never seen again. I know it's a weird story, but it is Halloween. And I just wanted to tell you a true story from when I was a child. Maybe they were just trying to have some fun at everybody else's expense. Maybe they were just trying to instill some fear into a community. But at the end of the day, luckily, the fear of the law was more than they could deal with. And I'm just glad they're gone. And I hope they never come back. Have a safe and a happy Halloween this year. And until I see all of you again, a most blessed day. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash Tirar de Huello. 
The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardehuel at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.